On the Wake Up Radio presents The Hour. Building on the belief that art represents your culture and heritage, the Johnsons launched their home-based direct sales company in 1991. Ethnic expressions began in the basement and spare bedroom of the couple's home. From those humble beginnings, their vision has grown into one of the most respected names in the black art industry. When we, as African Americans, put positive images of ourselves in front of ourselves, it allows us to lift ourselves. We wanted to be involved in bringing the creativity of our people to our people. Every transaction between a black consumer and a black business contributes to the economic strength of our community. And so we felt it was very important for black businesses to be of the caliber that the black consumer would trust them and find value in their services. And the only way to do that was to pour ourselves into the pursuit of excellence. Hello, 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 everyone. This is The Hour. This is your host, Cindy Ashby. Uh, You're listening to On The Wake Up Radio. Don't forget to sign up for The Sister, otwtube.com, uncensored free speech platform. Tired of being told what to say, what to do, community guidelines? We We don't have time for that. We're all black, black everything. We have our own black service because, you know, when you can stop people from tweeting, then you have to get your own, right? You've got to do big girl things. Well, as they would say, big boy things, but big girl things. And so I welcome everyone listening to the hour because we have a special, special. I know I always say special, but no, definitely this is top notch. Ethnicexpressions.com, very own Brian Johnson. Hello, Mr. Johnson. Hello, how are you doing? Excellent, excellent, excellent. I'm, I'm really excited to get to speak to you. Yeah, well, thank you. Me too. <laughs> it's mutual. So I wanted to just ask, I, tell, tell the audience about you. I shouldn't be the only one excited here. Okay, well, um, I probably should start kind of at the beginning, I was born at a very early age, um, and people often ask, you know, where I'm from, and when they do, I, I tell them I'm not from anywhere, because I I grew up um, on military bases. My father was a, a major in the, in the Air Force, so grew up on military bases. People call us military brats. I don't know where that came from, because, you know, I've never met a military brat, but that's kind of how I grew up, and we grew up uh, living in different places, both in and out of the country. And um, I think even though I didn't realize it at the time, it was ultimately where I think I'm able to grasp the, con- the concept of constructs and matrices more easily you know, than, than a lot of people because we were constantly moving in and out of them. Mm. And uh, so we moved around all while I was growing up and ended up in North Carolina around the time I was time to go to college. So I ended up going to uh, North Carolina State University and studying engineering, Um, not necessarily out of some deep interest in engineering, but a lot of my high school counselors and teachers kind of pushed me in that direction just because I was good at math and science and um, came out of college and went to work for AT&T and Bell Laboratories and and research and development and did that for... um, 
for about 10 years. All during that time, I, even while studying engineering in college, I just always had a long, long-term interest in, uh, in history. And that would be all kinds of history. I was just always kind of enthralled by ancient Greece and the Roman Empire uh, because I grew up on military bases, also military history, the World War I, World War II, that kind of thing. Um, and eventually um, ended up being very interested in black history and especially, you know, ancient black history, you know, the ancient black civilizations like Egypt and Nubia. And um, I think it was, you know, basically a combination of that plus engineering plus um, I believe that, that um, history or knowledge of history is really the key to racial harmony for people of color and really for for people of European descent, I think the more you you know about ancient history, both African and Greco-Roman, then it just kind of changes your concept of your fellow humans. The more you know about Native Americans, changes your concept of who they are as people. The more mm-hmm. you know about Asian civilizations, the more respect you have for them. So I just think overall that understanding of all the cultures of the world and ethnicities gives you this respect for your fellow human beings and minus that, you know, you end up with white supremacy and all the, all the problems that that, that entails. So I think, um, and that plus the fact I'm a, I think I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I like to build things and you combine all these things together. I think that's how I ended up doing something like ethnic expressions. Lovely. Now tell us what is ethnic expressions? Um, that's a good question. It's kind of a broad question in a sense, but I'll try to be concise. Um, ethnic expressions, if I was you know, kind of boil it down to the irreducible minimum, it's a, it's, a, it's a company whose mission it is is to encourage African Americans to feel good about themselves. You know, just kind of at bottom, that's really what we're about. Um, but to, to go deeper, it's about ultimately embracing their history and their heritage, their culture, and, and themselves because you can embrace your, your history and your culture, but not yourself. So, you know, so it's, it's about the macro and it's about the micro. Um, and in the micro sense, it's, you know, it's about being comfortable in their own skin. So I think that's, that's what we're about. I, I believe it's of, of utmost importance. I think um, a lot of times the importance of it is overlooked uh, because there's many black people that go through life, uh, their entire life, uh, from the time their children toppers really uh feeling like that we as a group black people as a group or they individually um are less than or lacking something or ugly or unintelligent or something and i think i think um consciously or even worse unconsciously we perceive that there's some kind of difference between us and, and white society and uh, the degree of the difference is negative so so i think expressions is about saying hey you know wait a minute you know, uh, Africans were the first human beings on the earth. And, um, you know, there's 7.6 billion people, I think now, I think that's the world population. All 7.6 billion of them are descendants of, a, of an African woman, um, the geneticist called mitochondrial Eve. So if you just take that in for a minute and think that you know, every nationality, every ethnicity is descendant and has her, her genes her DNA, that, that's, that's mind-boggling. So Africans were the first humans. They formed the first nation in the history of the world. They, they were the first to invent 
writing hieroglyphics. They're the first to start building stone buildings. Um, so when you start taking all that in and, and comprehending that, um, it just affects you know, your, your self-identity, how you see yourself and how you see, you know, other brothers and sisters in the community. Um, so that's, that's what ethnic expressions is about. You, I think we've been brainwashed sitting to see, you know, Africa's a dark continent with, with uh, famine and savages and cannibals. And um, it's interesting that in one of the speeches, Martin Luther King said there, are, there he said there are indeed savages and cannibals in Africa, but they are not the Africans. There's a white colonialist who has come to Africa to steal its wealth and to steal, kill, and destroy. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's true. And um, I think even people in America, or just around the world, have been uh, brainwashed to see people of African descent, Africa itself as a continent, being a dark continent. Um, and I could go on and on, but our mission is really just to let folks know that we're all descendants of these ancient Africans, and we come from a great people, and we have a great heritage, and we need to internalize that and feel good about ourselves, our ethnicity, and, and our communities. Awesome. Now tell me, how did you come up with the name Ethnic Expressions? Was, was it the aha moment? Or how was that? Well, it just, it kind of just is an extension of the whole idea of being who you were, who God created you to be, and, you know, whatever that may be. Um, and expressing it, you know, um, expressing who you were created to be, you know, and not trying to be someone else and not trying to, to mirror or map on or assimilate to some other cultural identity, but just simply to, to be yourself and express yourself. So the whole idea of ethnic expressions is just expressing your unique ethnicity and um, all the, the various blends of cultures around the world have something of value, there, there's beauty in all of them. And so each ethnicity, including ours, just feeling comfortable about expressing um, our ethnicity and, and being ourselves. Wow, that's deep, that's really deep. Now, I wanna know the meaning of heritage when it comes to African-American art to you. Hmm, well, um, so to me, um, I think art in, in all its forms has, has a unique power because it, it, it touches the soul, you know, it touches the soul. So um, something technology can't do, you know, other you know, forms of knowledge can't do, but art touches the soul. And I think, for example, that's why we call R&B soul music. We call it soul music because it, it's, somehow gets into a place that other things can't get to. And we call it soul music. I think it's why when I read Toni Morrison, there's something about her writing that just just stirs me at a deep level, touches my soul. The same thing when I hear, for example, Maya Angelou you know, reciting in Still I Rise or The Mask. Um, there's something about art in all its forms that to me moves at a very deep level. And I think the visual art um, because it's visual, does something else in, entirely. I think that it can reprogram us or deprogram us. It's probably a better word. Deprogram us to be more more precise. Because when we see beautiful representations of ourselves, it it, it subtly shifts 
the, our perception of ourselves and others who look like us. It's something changes on this subconscious or unconscious level. So, for example, to me, a good example would be sometimes I hear someone in our community popping off and saying, oh, you know, Barack Obama never did anything for the black man. And uh, when I hear that, I think, well, he did something for me, you know, because he showed me it was possible for a black man with the name Barack Obama, you know, uh, not Charlie Smith, to become the leader of the most powerful nation on the earth and, and in so doing, becoming the most powerful man on earth, um, which is which is amazing. And I think white people get that. White people realize that, which is why 70 million of them started started tripping out. Uh, to the point where we just saw back in January the whole attack on the Capitol. So just the image itself of a black man and his beautiful, intelligent partner, Michelle, was a profound contribution to the black community in and of itself. It just raises expectations. It, it changes perceptions on a level that we, we really can't even grasp. You can't quantify it. And I think that art, art can do the same thing, you know, art in the hands of the right person can do that same thing. So that that's what it means to me. Okay. And now, you guys don't only have art. You guys have sculptures, throw pillows, clothing. It, it, it's never-ending. Just beautiful, beautiful things. Um, what, are your top, what are your top three that people just fall in love with? What, what sells the most? Um, that's a good question. Obviously, it would vary, but I, I, obviously the art sells really well. The art always is so well. Um, but I think the T-shirts, our message shirts, because our message, our shirts have a message on them. Like we have a Rosa Park shirt. We have a Harriet Tubman shirt. We're getting ready to introduce a, a uh, John Lewis shirt and a Maya Angelou shirt. And so, you know, things that you wear or handbag that you carry, um, they are also ways of expressing your ethnicity. Um, if you're wearing a, you know, certain type of dress with, you know, you know kente fabric or mudcloth fabric or something that's kind of Afrocentric in terms of its influence or design, that's a way of expressing um, your ethnicity, who you are. So, you know, your hair, your your, your jewelry, your clothing, um, the messaging on your clothing, all of those things really kind of speak to who you are it's just, this is who I am so but in terms of three I think I think the art and the, the, the message cheese are, are, are very very popular and um, also ironically our pillows do really well because you know easily a pillow that you put on your your couch or love seat is just a pillow that our pillows are not that you, you walk into somebody's home and they have one of our pillows you notice them so they say something so just about everything in our line has for some re in some way, for some reason, speaks to that person's identity, identity, and what they what they um, hold as being valuable. Okay. Now, I wanted to ask you because as I was kind of going through the website, matter of fact, I always do this part where I say to you, I need you to shout out where people can find you, your your uh, website, so they know we're going to do that through it because I don't want them to forget who you are, Brian. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're ethnicexpressions.com. Pretty pretty easy to find. Just ethnicexpressions.com. What, what's different about us though is we're not just a website. We're actually a, a convergence or a, a hybrid, if you will, between 
a e-commerce company and a direct sales company, so people can come to our, our site and shop on it um, and are welcome to, but we also have uh, hostesses, and so we're like a direct sales company as well. Um, so a lot of um, the people that visit the site are actually taking part on, in, in a Zoom party. So they're, they're online with a bunch of their friends, you know, in a Zoom party, and it's, it's, they're called Ethnic Expression Zoom Parties, and part of that party is a presentation of the website, which they get on and, and shop after the, the, the party's over. And the hostess, you know, the hostess of that Zoom party earns credits, shopping credits, based on what, what, what her friends buy. So, so we're kind of a combination of an e-commerce company and the old traditional direct sales company like a Mary Kay or a Tupperware or Pampered Chef kind of a synergy of those two things okay and and how would they would just go to the website if they wanted to be in a consultant or a party yeah they could go to the, to the website there's a there's uh, you know, down in the contact us portion of the website at the bottom of the page you can kind of reach out to us and say hey I'm interested in, in hosting a party or I'd like to know more about becoming a consultant we just take their information and put them in touch with uh, one of our, one of our consultants that can, you know, kind of give them the information they're looking for and, and answer any questions they have. Okay. Okay. And I think a lot of people want to know how's the money looking? How, how does that, how does that work? Well, again, they, so these, these consultants, we call them ethnic expressions consultants. They'll have these hostesses that'll host, a Zoom party and their friends can come in from any, anywhere in the, the lower 48 states, the continental U.S. So people can be in, being in New York and California at the same time on this Zoom party. And they, they kind of tell some stories. They play some games. One of the games we play is called Black Car Revoked and kind of like that. And they give a tour of the website and, and what the purchases that the guests make, the, the hostess earns hostess credits or shopping credits on but consultant earns commission and so they can earn up to 25 percent commission on what uh, what their customers buy and uh, we've got depends on what kind of how much effort somebody wants to put into it but we've had you know consultants that have made in a single day you know i don't know five six seven hundred dollars because the party only lasts an hour or an hour and 15 minutes so somebody does a couple parties they can easily you know, make three, four, five hundred dollars in a day. Had people making two, 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 three thousand dollars in a month. So the money's pretty good, especially when you look at the investment of time because you don't have to go anywhere. You're sitting at your your own kitchen table just doing a Zoom party for people around the country. Wow, that's a that's an amazing opportunity. Oh wow, you know, especially with so many people who lost their jobs because they were just numbers. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You're, yeah. you're way ahead of the game. When did, when did you start this company? Well, we originally started back in 1991. And um, I, 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 prior to starting the company, I was an engineer with AT&T and um, ended up getting caught up in a layoff. And um, interestingly enough, when I got laid off, I, I just kind of came to this, you know, this point of decision where I just, I've been, I've been working in corporate America for 10 years, and it's got to be more than this. Got to be more than this. So I, I, I kind of decided that I was going to start my own business, and, and the company or the, lease, the opportunity that 
seemed the most meaningful to me was something that was art related. And so um, I decided that's what I was going to do. Never done it before, had no idea how to do it. And um, I just kind of dived into the deep end of the pool and, um, and just, just learned by doing. And um, so we started up um, originally backing up just a, a step or two. I, I was thinking about it in terms of opening up a frame shop or an art gallery um, was kind of the initial approach that I had. But, but as I thought about it, I really wanted to do something that um, had a broader reach, you know, that because with the frame shop or art gallery, you're waiting on the people to come into the gallery. You're standing there behind your counter hoping that somebody walks in the door. Um, so it's kind of like trying to get people to come to the mountain. And so what I decided to do was take the mountain to the people and, and do what we call home shows, actually take the gallery into people's homes. And so that's why we decided on the business model that we ultimately went with, where we did home shows in people's homes. And so the other part that came with that is, is I would, for the first year, it was just me. So it was just me going in people's living rooms and then setting up my my easels and my art and, and telling these stories about the art and the artist. Um, and then in then year two, it was just me and my sister and one of my best friends. It was just three of us for two years. But that whole that whole time for two years, just about every show that I did, someone would say, How, "Can I do this? Is this the only thing you can, can? Can you just? Are you the only one that can do this? Can can other people do this?" And so I would tell them, "Well, you know, you know, that's 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 the vision ultimately that other people would be able to do this." But I'm still working on the the system and trying to lay down the infrastructure and the and the railroad track to be able to do that. So it took about two two years or 24 months. Uh, before we were just really ready to kind of take on people that uh, wanted to be consultants too. And um, and eventually we had upwards of a thousand uh, our consultants operating in 26 states. And um, at one point we were, we were the largest distributor of frame black art in the country. Wow. Okay, so as you're speaking, I'm just imagining all of the hustle and bustle you had to do. And I'm thinking to myself, what does it really mean for Brian to be an entrepreneur as opposed to working for someone else? And this now, this answer you give is to someone who is looking to do what the same thing as you have. So I think what it takes is, two things i think you know the first thing it takes is recognizing a need in the marketplace um, because back when i started ethnic expressions it was very hard to find uh black art black home decor you know it was there but it, you, you had to you had to dig for it you had to look for it it wasn't ubiquitous it wasn't everywhere so there was a need you know people i myself was a collector you know i get it get in my car on a saturday and go visit various sundry galleries looking for you know, this piece of that piece. So, you know, but, but it wasn't easy. And so um, back then there was a, there was a need for um, somebody, whether it's individual or business to, to bring the art, you know, to, to the marketplace. And that's where the whole idea of the home show came in. So I think you have to look for where there's a legitimate need and, um, and, 
the job of the entrepreneur is to is to solve the solve that need, solve that problem. And um, the other thing I think the entrepreneur needs is they they need a clarity of vision. They need to know what it is they are trying to do because if you're if it's muddled, if you're fuzzy, um, you know it, it it can be very difficult when the going gets tough. You know, and it will get tough. Um, you 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 it, it can be very easy to lose your way unless you just have this absolute clarity about where you're trying to get to. And, and that leads to the third thing, which is I think you have to be very, you have to be determined. You have to have some tenacity. You know, you can't uh, roll over and quit at the first sign of opposition or, or problems or challenges. You have to be very determined. And that's where the whole clarity of vision and understanding that there's this need to be met. In our case, to me, the need was um, just the black psyche. There's just, to me, there's so many African-Americans who... As Malcolm X said, they, they, they have what he called the slave minds. They have these minds that have been literally programmed by the dominant culture, saying this is this is who you are. All you is all you are is is just you know uh, you know a black person. You, you you have very limited potential, limited intelligence, and we'll just tell you what to do. So I think um, to me that was very compelling. I was very determined to make that uh, you know, make this business a reality and uh, it just you know it, was, it would take a lot to make us quit because we just had this bigger purpose this bigger why that we were trying to accomplish in the world not just make money but we're actually trying to to make an impact that went far beyond money wow so my follow-up is legacy ethnic expressions legacy put that i need you to put that in the universe so I think that you know that's a really good question, you know, um, because ultimately I think it's about it's about legacy. Uh, Martin Luther King said, "Life's most important and most urgent question is what are you doing for others." So I think that's a really good question. It's still very much valid, um, you know, because I I think people can get caught up in a in a in a paper chase and accumulating you know money, and there's nothing wrong with money. I'm not I'm not you know, anti money. But I'm, but I'm very much pro-mission and pro-legacy, and I think ultimately all of us are standing on the shoulders of our ancestors, you know, people that have paid, paid you know, a price even to the point of you know, giving their life for, for some of the freedoms that we, that we enjoy, um, a la Medgar Evers, Martin Luther King, people that literally died for the freedoms that we enjoy, and so I think we owe we owe a debt. We owe we owe an obligation to these to these individuals to, in some way, you know, um, carry that work forward. Um, and how that looks, it look all different kinds of ways depending on who you are and what you do. But but ultimately, you know, I think we're standing on people's shoulders, and we need to live our lives so that somebody can stand on our shoulders. You know, our our children, our grandchildren, those who are coming after us. And so in, in, in terms of legacy, that's kind of what I think about building a company that, um, you know, when I'm no longer here, maybe none of us are, are no longer here, but it still endures. Like some of these old companies that were started in the late, you know, uh, 1800s, early 1900s are still around um, and still, you know, serving, serving the community. So that's ultimately where after building a company that has this lasting impact 
even into the generation, even into the next generation and the generation after that. Wow. Uh, I wanted to touch base on the fact that I had watched the, uh, the video you sent me, uh, Lewis Gossett Jr. And then you guys come on and you had an artist there. I, I want you to tell me about your artist. Cause I think that it's so amazing, right? That you are, you it, you don't seem to have a selfish bone in your body. You know, you're giving praises due to everyone. Your artist, tell me about your artist. So the, the, the artists, the black artists, we, I think of them as the, the creativity of our people. And, you know, our, our tagline in the, with E1.0, as we call our first iteration, was bringing the creativity of our people to our people. So you have these artists and they're, and they're creating these, 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 these beautiful works of art. And, and many times it's just, it's just a passion of theirs. So they're, they're not rich. You know, it's just something they get up and they just they just got to create and they're creating these beautiful pieces that um, are not just beautiful, but they represent something, you know, of the African-American experience, African-American story, the African-American journey. Um, and so, you know, to me, they're an integral part of the community and you know, the artists, whether it's music or, or visual arts or what, whatever type of art form it is, um, it's an important part. Of, of a community's development and evolution. So to, 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 to my mind, um, taking their work and, and bringing it to the community is an important you know, function. And that's what we did is we would go into people's homes and we'd put somebody's piece up on, on our easel and we'd say, this is, this is um, a piece by Gilbert Young. And it's called He Ain't Heavy. And the reason Gilbert created this piece was because of X and Y and Z, and, um, and this is what it means, and and you you can take that and it might mean something a little different to you, but 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 this is what this is the reason he produced this particular piece, and this is what he's trying to say. And then we put another piece up, and it might be Joseph Holston or Brenda Joy Smith or Charles Bibbs or Poncho Brown or whoever it would be. Um, but but when you take all of them together and you start telling the stories and showing people what they've done. Um, it's, it's, it's quite a journey. It's, it's almost cathartic, you know, and I think that's why our art shows do very well because people might come in and they got their arms folded and grim look on their face. But as you start talking and sharing and showing what um, these artists have done, by the end of the art show, they're saying, oh, yeah, well, how much is that? And I'd like to get this and I'd like to get that. So, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a privilege and a pleasure to just be able to connect, you know, the community with artists introduce their work and um, share share their motivations and motives doing it wow now that first artist you mentioned i believe it was Dwayne wayne from uh, a different world that was wearing his piece on his shirt okay no so that that was by gilbert young that's that's the image he did called he ain't heavy and he ain't heavy was back in the day very very popular piece um, it's a picture of a the man reaching down and helping another man up. It's just it's very powerful because of the simplicity of, of the composition of the piece. Just a man reaching down and pulling somebody up, and all you see of the man below is just his hand reaching up. And so that actually uh, was produced as a T-shirt as well. And as I said, a T-shirt is a way of expressing a message, expressing how you feel about something, expressing your your identity and Dwayne Wayne or Dwayne 
you know, Dwayne Wayne uh, wore that shirt on a different world, which again extended, you know, just the reach and the impact of that message of going back, giving back, helping your your, your fellow brother, your fellow sister. Um, so that that was actually the the work of an artist by the name of of uh, Gilbert Young, who's still around. He's up in his eighties now. And, uh, you know, that was a very powerful piece that he did. In fact, people have bought that image all over the world. It's actually a global image. It's not just in America, but people have actually bought that piece all over, all around the world. Amazing. It is. I did see it. It's, it's, there's a sculpture. You have it on uh, clothing. It's absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it is. I agree. So now I wanted to ask you, I need you to tell them. Where to find you? Say that again. I didn't catch that. I need you to tell them where to find you. Okay. So, um, ethnicexpressions.com is, is, is one way, um, as I mentioned previously. And we have a contact us menu button down at the bottom uh, pages of, of the website that you can, can reach out to us. And another way is we have a, a Facebook page called Ethnic Expressions Art. So people find us and message us through, through, that, through that Facebook page as well. So either of those, those two ways are great ways to get in touch with us. Okay, okay. I'm taking it. Now, I, I want to go a little bit deeper into Brian. Who or what motivates you? Um, that's, that's a good question. I, I think that... Um, I'm motivated by several things. I would I would say, um, as I mentioned earlier, I, I I think one thing that motivates me is accepting the baton from those who've run the race before us, um, because I, I see life as like a as a race, but like a relay race, and so um, the relay race spans multiple generations, and each generation is running this relay race and passing the baton to to the next generation who then runs their leg of the race and then they pass the baton to the next generation. And so one of the things that motivates me is just making sure that baton does not drop or that when I, when we, when we take it in hand that we're not just at a dead stop, we're still, we're running. Cause if you ever, you know what a relay race, relay race is like, the whole idea is when you pass the baton, the other runner that you're passing it to is, 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 is running at nearly full speed. You know, that's, that's how you win a relay race. And so, so part of what motivates me is just um, accepting that baton from those who've run the race before and passing it on to the next generation so that they don't, they don't miss a step or drop the baton. Um, so that's, that's, that's one of the things that motivates me. The other thing that motivates me um, is just this whole idea of um, you know, the African-American not knowing who they are and, um, you know, so it's interesting, there's this old fable, you know, maybe you know, some of your listeners have heard it, maybe not, but, um, but it's been around a long time, but it's about this farmer, and the farmer um, has this big farm, and anyway, one day he's out in the forest or the woods, and he's, like, hunting for rabbits or something, and it's windy that day, and he just comes upon, upon an egg on the ground, and as he looks up to the trees, he sees the top of the trees, they're swaying back and forth. And he, you know, quickly deduces that somehow, you know, just on that very windy day, just 
one of the eggs had rolled out of the nest and there it is on the on the ground in the forest and um and then he realizes that it's an it's an eagle's egg and he tries to figure out how he's going to climb to the top of this tree to put it back in the nest and he just eventually concludes he can't do it it's just too high it's too perilous he doesn't want to leave it on the ground because it's uh you know some predator will, will come across it so he takes it back to his farm and um and he has a big hen house or all these chickens and hens and little chicks and he decides he's going to put it under one of the the hens uh to keep warm and hopefully it'll hatch and and this little eaglet will will be born okay and so and so that happens so he you know the little uh eagle egg gets sat on for a period of time by the by the hen and it hatches but it hatches along with all these other little um other chickens and as it would happen the other chickens look at this this little baby eagle and he looks different he's 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 big he's black he's ugly he's got big lips you know big nose big old beak and um and so they you know he's 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 made fun of he's ridiculed and he's viewed as just being being less than inferior because he's different and um and so he kind of lives out his life trying to um you know win recognition and assimilate accepted by the other chickens and he does that to varying degrees of success but ultimately he's always different you know he's he's never going to be a, a chicken and and uh one day he um is in the barnyard and he's looking up and he sees this great big bird up in the sky and um he's just he's just it's just this beautiful magnificent bird and he asks one of the fellow chickens he says well what is that up there and you know the other chicken said well that's a that's an eagle, you know. That's a that's the king. That's the king of all birds, you know, the royalty of the bird kingdom. And um, the little eagle says, "Wow, what I wouldn't what I wouldn't give to be to be like that." And the chickens say, "Well, oh, you'll never be like that. You're not even a good chicken." And so there's two ways that that story can end. There's two endings to it. One is is that the chicken never learns who he really is. The eagle, rather, the eagle never learns who he really is, and he dies. He grows up in this chicken yard and lives out his life and dies, never knowing that he he too was an eagle. And uh, but there's another ending where uh, just so happens the eagle that's flying overhead sees with his eagle vision down in the chicken yard an eagle, a baby eagle swoops down and says, what are you doing down there? What are, you, what are you doing down there with the chickens? And he says, well, I'm a chicken, you know, and he says, well, no, you're not a chicken. You're an eagle, <laughs> you know, and uh, you shouldn't be down in the chicken yard and, and ultimately convinces the little eagle that he too is an eagle and they fly away together. And so that story to me is an African-American story. It can, it can, and it can end either way. You know, a person can live out their lives never knowing that they're descended from from these great kings and queens and kings, kings and queens of Africa, never knowing, thinking their history started with slavery, never knowing that they had this amazing history before that, or they they might somehow find out who they really are, find out that they they're indeed eagles, and um, sometimes that has something to do with them. Um, and their curiosity. Sometimes it's a combination of their curiosity and just a mentor, a teacher, a pastor, a coach, 
um, an uncle, an auntie, a parent that just somehow speaks that kind of life into them. It's just, you're, you're an eagle, you're somebody. And, um, you know, so that motivates me just to be one of those, those eagles that visit a chicken yard whenever I would come across it and look to see if there's any eaglets down there that need someone to say to them, you know, you're, you're an eagle, you know, come fly with me. Wow. That was so beautiful. You put me through a ray of emotions, Brian. You just put me through a ray of emotions. And I thought to myself, I'm going to tell my 14-year-old, my 18-year-old that story tonight. They're probably going to be like, really? But that is a beautiful. I like telling stories, right? Because my grandmother mm-hmm. raised me, so everything's a story. And it just stays with you. That is something that's definitely going to stay with me. That is totally awesome. Oh, my gosh. I want to say everyone's listening to OnTheWakeUpRadio.com. This is Cindy Ashby. This is the hour. We have EthnicExpressions.com. Brian is here with us. We're at the half point where I shake things up. I don't know if you're ready for this, but it's called Rapid Fire. And I want people to kind of get to know you. If the time travelers had to come and listen to this again, they'll definitely know who you are. Favorite food. Favorite food, that's, that's um, easy. That's uh, French toast, which is kind of an odd favorite food, but I I just, I like breakfast food, even even in the evening, but French French toast would be, would be my favorite. Every time we go out for breakfast, I get the same thing. You know, I say, oh, you're going to get French toast, so yeah. French toast, I just, yeah, like French toast. That is so cute. Oh my gosh, this is like, like a, like a, like you're still five at heart, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Favorite music. Favorite music would be R and B, especially like the classic, classical R and B. So probably dates me, but um, you know, just you know Marvin Gaye and um, Stevie Wonder. And, you know, Temptations, just like the old soul music, Aretha Franklin. So this would be still be my my favorite genre of music. Uh, I, I, I do listen, listen to contemporary music, but in terms of just the music, I find myself singing along to or tapping in the toe to would be those that, that old classical uh, R&B. Okay, favorite book? Favorite book? Now, I'm a reader, a voracious reader. And, um, wow, it is so hard to pick a favorite book because uh, books are like my children. Um, and I could just think, man, which, which one would I pick? It'd be very hard to do that. Um, but I, I can talk about the most recent one that I feel like is, is a, a, a couple recent ones that have been very impactful, Isabel Wilkerson's uh, cast, you know, the, the, the reasons uh, the origins of our discontent is what is called cast, C-A-S-T-E, uh, powerful book, powerful. Um, another recent favorite would be the audio book is actually uh, narrated by uh, Lawrence Thunder, Fishburne, rather, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X, the way he just reads that book, it just feels like Malcolm X is sitting, sitting beside you, um, you know, um, I'd say Michelle Obama's book, The Coming, it's another favorite. So I've got lots of, lots of uh, books that I, that I really love. Wow, that is so amazing. Favorite movie or documentary? 
favorite movie is an easy one. That's The Matrix, by, by far. The Matrix. Look at you. Um, yeah, this Lawrence Fishburne, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, that's uh, you know, the, the, one of my favorites. I've watched it probably a hundred times. Um, I think it's an important movie uh, because, as I said way back when we started talking, growing up in the military, we were always moving in and out of constructs, different cultures, different communities, and it just, to me, I just, I just grasp the fact that we all live inside of a matrix of some kind, a zeitgeist, you know, and a construct of narrative. And, you know, understanding those narratives, those constructs, those matrices that we actually live in um, can really help a person navigate their way, their way through life. Now, a lot of people watch The Matrix, and you know, they don't understand the deeper meaning of it. Um, so I can understand when people say, well, I don't get that. But, but that's ultimately what it's about. It's ultimately about constructs and how a fish lives out his life in the water and doesn't know he's in the water. Because... He's born in water, he lives in water, he didn't know he didn't something called air because he's never experienced it. Wow. Uh, fun fact, everyone. Every chance I get, I try to tell this. Sophia Stewart has been on this show. And this uh, February 2020, when they had the Oscars, because everyone was uh, tucked away and hidden, they finally gave her an Oscar for being the creator and the owner of The Matrix and The Terminator. Go, sister. Yeah, I I've heard about the Matrix. I didn't know about the Terminator and that that is that's a, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm gonna look into that. It's interesting. Yes, yeah, she told yeah. me the FBI pointed that out to her. It was uh, the third I think it's called the third eye. She wrote it and right in one of the paragraphs, when the Terminator opens, you know how they go, the the, the year is so and so A D, blah blah blah. Literally plagiarism to death. Yeah, I, that makes sense to me because to me, The Matrix, which is about constructs um, that people have created, a black person um, should be able to see those you know, quicker than because they're they're kind of outside. You know, they're an outsider, and you know, so just somebody coming up with that and understanding that and, and creating a story around it makes sense to me because you know when you grow up in a construct, you don't even know you're in one. Right. You know, you have, yeah, you have to be outside of it to really see it. So it, that that makes sense. I have to check that out as it relates to Terminator. I mean, if you go any deeper, you know, Neo and uh, uh, the Terminator—they're they, the same guy. Yeah. In fact, um, as if I remember correctly, I think that originally they wanted uh, Will Smith to play Neo. Um, exactly. And again, and Keanu Reeves is being their second choice. Um, so I've always tried to imagine with a black man as Neo and a black man as Morpheus would have really been interesting. Well, I mean, one of the uh, things that, that that pointed out that it was definitely her her script they got it from, she put all of the heroes in black. She thought about mm. Muhammad Ali. And then yeah. all the bad people were in white. Yeah, and yeah, they kept yeah. that. And who know they Hollywood doesn't write like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's very interesting. I have to um, do some a deeper dive into that. But yeah, that movie and what it means, what it represents, just some very powerful insights, truths, and revelations. So that by by far is my favorite. Actually, my the second one. Oftentimes, massive movies. I 
it, it's, it's it's very similar to that, and it's the Planet of the Apes. Believe it or not, <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but um, you know, the, 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 to me, the Planet of the Apes, um, especially the original ones that, that Charleston Heston stored in, but this this whole idea. Um, I think as human beings, we see ourselves as disconnected uh, from the biosphere that we live in. We, you know, we're, we're just kind of over and above all the other life forms, and and we just forget that we're all connected to this web of life, um, and we're a part of. We we have the same. The reason that you can do test pharmaceutical drugs on mice is because mice share ninety two percent of their genes in common with humans. That's how you can you know, test drugs on mice. You couldn't test drugs on mice unless there were some kind of similarities between our, our species. So, um, so anyway, I, I, those, those, those two means, but the matrix by far is probably my favorite. And so let us dig deeper superpowers. You wish you had a superpower. You wish you had. That is a really good, good question. Um, I think that, Wow, when I think about the X-Men, all the different kinds of things they can do, um, probably just for me to, to fly, just the whole idea of transportation and did I get somewhere and get there quickly, that would, it would probably be something like that, to just being able to fly, fly somewhere and get there, you know, get there quickly. I love it. It goes along with your toast, you know. You're so young at heart. Um, favorite color? Favorite color? Probably black. That's what I end up usually wearing. I, I don't think it was a favorite color, just it must be because I tend to, a lot, of, a lot of what I end up wearing, black jeans, or black shirts, or black t-shirts, so probably, probably black would be my favorite color. You had a choice, dance or singing? If I had a choice to be a dancer or a singer? Mm-hmm. I would I would say a singer because I can't sing at all. <laughs> so that would be a good skill to have. Yeah. You're going on a road trip and you only get to take three people with you. Who do you take? If I'm going on a road trip and taking three people, I would definitely want to take uh, Barack Obama. Um, I think he's he's very interesting, intellectual. Just would love having conversations uh, with him on a trip. I would want to take uh, LeBron James, um, who I greatly admire, just not just for his athletic accomplishments, but for his, you know, just his his, his standing in the community that relates to um, standing up for people, you know, that haven't made it. And probably for the third person, I'm a I'm a big Serena Williams fan, so I. Yeah, I really like Serena Williams, uh, both the Williams sisters. But um, so yeah, I'd like like to have the three of them along on a road trip. That that would be awesome. No one's messing yeah. with anyone on that team. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> what yeah. would you tell yourself as a teen or a little boy if you were to time travel back to yourself? Hmm, that's a good question. Um. I would probably so I I think in terms of um, these these concepts um, called the the tragedy of the treasure and the tragedy of the transient, and actually it it comes from some paper I read back in college 
called The Tragedy of the Commons. And um, without getting too deep in the weeds, The Tragedy of the Commons just has to do with, uh, for example, if, if everybody um, has no concern over the environment, then you can destroy your planet, your ecosystems, and create all kinds of problems. So, so ever since then, I always think about other tragedies in life, and one of them would, would be the tragedy of the treasure. Um, and to me, that is just around, if, even if you don't have any money, even if you grew up in poverty, you're still surrounded by treasure, and the treasure is, is in the form of the people in your life, you know, um, even if it's an old grandmother, she's she's lived life. You know, she's taken many, many laps around the sun, and she has life experience that if you would avail yourself of that experience, um, you would be wiser. You know, well, the problem with most young people is they don't listen to old people. You know, they don't think they have anything of value to impart. So, so, but they do. They have this treasure. In fact, the Bible says we have this treasure in earth and vessels. So, so part of it, to answer your question, has to do with, um, I would tell a younger version of myself, you know, to tap into people that are older, that have, that have lived longer than you. And, um, you know, there's something there. There's a treasure there. Um, they may not have as good a job as you have or, or live in a big home like you do, or, you know, the financial prosperity, but, but they have something. Maybe they grew up during the civil rights era. You know, maybe they grew up during the World War. It's just something there that's valuable that, that if you extract it, it's very, very valuable. And the tragedy is, of course, that, that most young people don't don't really pay attention to that. They don't think, you know, elderly have anything that is valuable, but they do. So, so that's the first thing. Probably is just this treasure in these earthen vessels, these older people. And um, the second one is the tragedy of the transient, and it's they're kind of related because, um, you know, I think of 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 um, history in terms of geologic time scales, cosmic time scales that the earth is the earth is four billion years old, you know, so the human lifespan in comparison is like a it's a it's a blip. It's like a it's like a firefly lighting up on a summer night for a couple seconds. That's the human lifespan. Um and so the human life is like a sandcastle on the beach. You can make it beautiful, but it's not gonna last. Um and so I think I, that's one of the things I would impart to my younger self that, you know, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time doing things you don't want to do that, that aren't a passion for you. Um, you know, spend your, spend your grains of sand wisely. You know, do things that bring you pleasure. Joseph Campbell said um, better than I could. He said, follow your bliss. You know, follow your bliss, the things that make you light up, make you come alive, do those things because you're, you're just not here long enough to waste your time, you know, fighting um, people, trying to dominate them, take what's theirs, but just, you know, be a good person, um, you know, and use your time as wisely as you can because you're not here very long. Wow. Thank you for playing Rapid Fire with me. That was amazing. <laughs> you're going to stand in ovation. So now I wanted to say you're listening to the hour. This is Cindy Ashby 
on the Wake Up Radio. Don't forget to sign up for otwtube.com, uncensored free speech platform. Uh, we're here with ethnicexpressions.com with Brian Johnson, who is just amazing, an amazing person. And I, I wanted to ask, are there any other gifts or talents that you have that we don't know about? Um, if I have a gift, which I don't think of myself that way, but it would, it would be just I'm a learner. I just like, uh, I'm a voracious reader. I like learning. And I like learning something every day. And probably beyond that, it would be focus. I find that I, 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 I just, I, I do better when my bandwidth is very focused. Um, otherwise, I'd just be a mile wide and an inch deep. So I think it's just, just learning and taking what I learn and harnessing it and putting it and applying it to something in a very focused way would be, be my little talents. Um, and persevering, you know, I'm, I'm pretty determined once I decide I want to try to do something. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, creativity. Are you born with it or can you just make it happen? Hmm. That's, that's a good question. Um, the way I think about creativity is that everyone has it, uh, but but I think it's a spectrum. I think, I think you have people that to me, like a Stevie Wonder or, or something like that, Prince, um, you know, they're just, they're just creatively gifted, maybe geniuses, we can even say to the, to the end of, end of the spectrum. But I think everybody does have creativity. And so I think that most people just, the problem is they think they don't have any. They think they just don't have any, so they never use what they have. And um, they do have an element of, of creativity. They just never use it because they, they think, you know, they don't have any. Um, and then I think there's just different types of creativity. So someone might be very creative in the, in the realm of music, another one in art or film or, or writing or as you're doing in your program or architecture or business. So there's just different types of creativity. I don't, I don't think it's any one type. Um, and I think whatever a person possesses, they have it. They just need to realize that they have it. Okay, okay. Now, a little bit deeper, how have you found growth in this new world? You, Ethnic Expression, 2020 has changed a lot. Yeah, and it goes, I think it goes back to um, just reading. I'm a, I'm a voracious reader, so a lot of my growth comes um, because you, you're not going to live long enough to to make all the mistakes and learn everything that needs to be learned yourself. You, you've got 80, 85, 90 years, um, but you can read um, everything that Martin Luther King wrote. You, you, you can read James Baldwin. You can read, you know, um, Maya Angelou's biographies. I think there's six of them. So I just find that that, to me, is where the growth comes from. It's just reading um, just different types of people, different presents. Barack Obama, his book, Dreams of My Father, is um, very good. So just to me, that's where, that's what fuels my growth. It's just, it's just kind of connecting with experiences of other uh, amazing human beings and, and learning from what they've written or shared um, what, they, what their life experience was. Amazing. Now, 
I wanted to say, let them know where they can find you. Well, once again, ethnicexpressions.com is probably is our website, and you can reach out to us through the Contact Us menu button at the bottom of the webpage, or we have a Facebook page. It's called Ethnic Expressions Art, and that's another way that we can be reached. Awesome sauce. And so now, any last words? Um, my last words would just be to, you know, realize that you, you're, you're an eagle and, um, you know, that when you come into that kind of, you know, that reckon that wokeness, we'll call it being woke. When you wake up to that fact, um, you know, then the world is your oyster and your life will change. Beautiful. You're an amazing guest. You need to come back more often. I'm saying okay. that on the air. <laughs> okay, well, um, be glad to, you know, be certainly be glad to. Awesome, awesome. You guys have been listening to the hour. That was ethnicexpressions.com. Mr. Brian Johnson, please reach out to him. He has opportunity. It's not just art. It's beyond, beyond. It's heritage. It's legacy. Thank you for listening to the hour. It's Cindy Ashby. And we'll catch y'all later. Can't stop. You, the people, have the power. The power to create happiness. Let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power. But they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us all unite. OTWTube.com, uncensored free speech platform. Flawed individual. Cindy Ashby Production. On the wake up.